we, uh, we have the opportunity to speak a lot of different things in our lives, don't we? And the, the goal of this sermon series over the next few weeks is to learn to speak Jesus. How many of you speak multiple languages? Like you can understand fluently some other, not pig Latin, but any other, right? Like if you can, I envy you because I wish that I had the patience and the discipline to learn a new language. I took three years of Spanish. I remember none of it, like none of it. Uh, I know a few words. Um, How many of you can speak English? I mean, that's a good, I don't know. Um, Of all the different languages in our world, English has to be one of the hardest ever because it's just we have so many words that we pronounce the same that make no sense, but they mean different things, right? Like, so speaking a word is not a big deal, but writing it out and knowing what the meaning is is hard. I can say a word, and you're going to already imply that you know, but it's spelled differently. English is messed up, right? It's nearly impossible, right, because we've developed, whoever developed English back whatever years ago, um, it didn't happen in 1776, by the way, just for your information. There must have been some pretty sick people involved in how, because those words that, uh, they're called homophones, homophones, right? They're, they're words that are spelled differently, but they, are, they sound the same, but they have different meanings, okay? So there's there, and there's there, and there's there, yeah? All spelled differently, all means something different, but they sound exactly the same. And there's two, and then there's two, that's two O's, right? And then there's two, which is just the number two, it's, it's messed up. Um, we have more. Um, actually, I have them on the screen, I think, if you want to throw them up there. Um, because they're, it's just a messed up. Like, I'm not going to go out and brush my hair, and you have a picture of me petting a rabbit. But that's what it sounds like, right? We have red, and then we have the color red. It's said the same, but it doesn't even, it, it has less letters even, all right? So English is messed up. But those are homophones, right? It's just one dynamic that makes the English language difficult to learn. Not only to learn, to write, to speak it. We don't write a whole lot anymore, so I get that. But here's another problem. We take all the homophones, all those things that go together, um, that sound the same, but they mean something different, and then we throw people's accents in the mix, right? So uh, depending on where you grew up, um, or depending on where you live, you start to develop a different accent. If you live on the East Coast, you know, all up there in Boston, there, you got the, in New Yorkers, they sound, they sound awesome. I love to listen to Boston and New Yorkers speak, um, but um, they have their own. You go up north to Minnesota and the Dakotas, and they, they speak a different way. You go out west, I mean, they're just chill. They don't hang, they just hang out. This is slower life because they have the beach, right? Who cares how we talk? And then there's the South. Wow. Um, if, you, if you lived and grew up in the South, it's like a whole different language by itself, right, y'all? 
okay, in all of the different, there, there's an apostrophe in nearly every word in the South. Um, we take all the homophones and we take all the accents and then we throw in slang to mess with all that too, okay? These words, they're unique and they represent either one word meaning or two, you know, a phrase. Um, and again, different parts of the country have different slang and uh, different eras had different slang. And some of those slang terms from the past decades, here we go. Um, I just Googled some slang terms from the 50s. All right, are you ready? These are, you may or may not understand them, okay? From the 50s. Boo-boo, uh, that means I got hurt, right? We, hear, we still use that with kids. Hipster, that actually has come back, right, 45 years later. Daddy-o, that's another one. You move forward into the 60s, we have groovy, yeah? Uh, did you all say groovy if you grew up in the 60s? No, shame on Hippie, right? Bread, that's money, okay? Um, then we move into the 70s, that's when I was born. Um, I, I can dig it, right? Dig it, that's another one. Uh, workaholic, uh, mind-blowing, um, get down and boogie, yeah? That's slang. And then we get into the 80s in... Uh, you know, those, it, I remember these vividly, right? Chillin' and dweeb, gag me with a spoon, yeah? Wicked, which actually means good, right? Then that's why English is hard, because wicked should mean wicked, but it actually means good in the 80s. Then we get to the 90s, getting jiggy, right? We're dancing. Um, homie or homeboy, what's up? You know, that's good slang. There was a whole commercial set up around what's up. Right? Then we get to the turn of the century. We're more, more sophisticated okay, with our peeps and our BFFs. Right? In 2010, we have Chillax and uh, Lit, my favorite. Jackson and Maya love it when I say the word lit. Uh, what was the word I was supposed to say? Yeet. I don't even know what that means. But, um, and I'm supposed to throw something to somebody. Um, that's that's this, this century, this year yeet. So goat, that's another one, greatest of all time. That's becoming more and more of a big deal, especially since Tom Brady has retired. So we throw all that stuff together, the slang and the homophones and the, and the, the accents we have, and the English language is a train wreck of amazingness, right? And, uh, but we all speak it, some better than others, right? Amen. So if you're bilingual, I really appreciate you. But that's the goal of today and the next few weeks, is for everyone to leave these gatherings a little more bilingual, and uh, that, that we learn to speak different language, but maybe even leave here with English as your second language, because um, it's possible to speak, the, maybe you already speak this language that Jesus did, but our goal is to learn to speak Jesus to people. So what we're going to do over the next month is we're going to talk about the words of Jesus and the impact that they had on others. And here's what we're looking at. In a few weeks, we'll explore when Jesus uh, spoke, I am sending you, from John chapter 20. And then we'll talk about um, uh, when he said to, to this person, what do you want me to do for you? Next Sunday, we'll say, you give them something to eat. Jesus talking to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And then today, we learn about possibly the most powerful two words that Jesus spoke to anyone, follow me, follow me. These, 
these two words, they're at the center of Jesus' ministry here on earth, right? Um, he spoke these words all over the place when he was teaching and uh, preaching uh, to others. And, and it seemed like a simple invitation when he presented it to people. But Jesus would go on to explain to certain individuals that it's not going to be as easy as it appears, right? So the New Testament in Scripture, it begins with four different accounts, uh, four different perspectives, if you will, or four different, from four different authors. We call it the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all center around the life while Jesus, uh, that Jesus lived while he was here on earth. Right? We see details about his birth in all four accounts, really. Uh, but the best one, we always go to Luke for that one. That's the most detailed account. We don't usually start with Matthew because that's just like this long list of 45 names. And he was this guy's father and this guy's father. That's not fun. But um, it's, it's important. It's just not as fun to read. And, and so we get details about his childhood, some of the things that happened while he was a kid. Then we get this 18-year break, like from age 12 to 30, where Jesus, uh, Luke tells us in Luke uh, 2.52, that over time, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. And that, was, that verse is in there just to tell us he grew up, right? He learned stuff. He met people. He matured. He developed relationships. He worked for Joseph and learned to build stuff, right? He just was a person that learned to live life on the earth, all the while growing in his wisdom and stature in the eyes of both God and man. And at age 30, Jesus begins this journey of teaching, um, and it impacted multitudes of people, including us today, right? Eventually, it ends with his purpose. The Gospels, they all end with the purpose of why Jesus came to earth, and that was to die on the cross for us. And those Gospels, they end with the resurrection, which is, provides atonement, he, the payment for all our sin, and gives us the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with him. And in all four of these Gospel writings, follow me, is the invitation that Jesus offers to everyone. So when you do a search of how many times uh, Jesus invites someone to follow me, the results vary a little bit, um, but the specific person-to-person -person invite, like face-to-face, -face, we get about 13 or 14 different um, encounters that Jesus had with somebody where he told them, follow me. And um, the, the, the results varied, didn't they? And, and some of those were different authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, but they talked about the same event. So we get to see the importance that God put on how the Bible was shaped and formed and what he saw as important because it's in there multiple times. Uh, regardless of how many times we read it, uh, the invitation is what's important. He speaks, Jesus speaks, follow me. And he, he wants, uh, if, if you want to speak Jesus, you can speak. If you want to speak Chinese, you learn it. If you want to speak English, good luck. But if you want to speak Jesus, this is what you do. This is the invitation. You say, uh, follow him. And then you grab on. And when he says, follow me to you, that's what happens. It's an invitation that you, uh, in the, that invitation is what we're talking about here. The impact of Jesus speaking the invite, follow me, 
it affected people differently. And we're going to kind of unpack that today. Um, in the lives of Peter and Andrew, his brother, uh, it looks different. And in Scripture, we get to read this in two different places. And we're going to read both of them. And uh, I don't know if they'll be on the screen or not. Uh, Her Geraldo is pretty good at reading my mind because I didn't ask him to. But, oh, bingo. Um, so this is what it looks like in both Matthew and Mark. Okay? So Matthew uh, chapter 4, as Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Pretty good encounter. And he says to follow me. And at once they did. And then in Mark, the first chapter of Mark, you may think that I'm reading the same thing, but it's a different person writing nearly the same thing in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus... Is walking by this family. They're working out on the lake. Most likely it was just a, you know, 25, 30 feet out into the lake. And he calls out to them, hey, follow me. And what happened? They followed him. Both Matthew and Mark stated this way, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. They didn't put up a finger to Jesus like, hold on, let's get the nets and let me help dad get it all. No. They said at once. They stopped what they were doing on the boat. They either paddled over the shore or hopped out of the boat and waded over. And they followed him. They left behind their old life like that because Jesus invited them to follow me. Then we read on, just a couple of verses, the next few verses. It, it, it talks about um, these, the, the, these three guys, Jesus and his new disciples, Peter and Andrew, walking down the shore, and they find two more fishermen on the, uh, uh, on the shore this time, and um, it's James and John, probably uh, Peter and Andrew's competition, if you will, right? They would have known each other. Uh, because they were all fishermen. And Jesus does the same thing. This time, because they were on shore, it made it a little easier, but he just stops and he speaks and he says, follow me. And what did they do? There, the, the scripture says, immediately they stopped working and followed Jesus. They left their dad with all the nets and all the fish that they had already caught in their family business that was most likely going to be handed over to them when they were uh, of the right age or dad was going to retire or whatever, and, um, which would have given them stability financially, a career, if you will. They left it all immediately, and they followed. They left their past life behind them all to do what? To follow Jesus. He didn't walk by and say, you have to believe in me right now, and then you have to accept Jesus as, my, as your personal Savior, accept me as your personal Savior. No, he just says, follow me. And none of that stuff had, had transpired yet. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and raised from the dead yet, but he just said, follow me. Come and see what's going on. Now, the encounter appeared to be pretty easy for those four guys, didn't it? 
And we don't know what type of relationship that Jesus had with Peter and James and Andrew and John. We don't know. Maybe Jesus had been working on them for a while. Maybe they'd been in a small group. Maybe he had walked by there every day for three months just to be able to say hi and maybe learn about who they were. We don't know any of those details yet. Maybe Jesus just straight up cold called them, like knocked on the door, walked up on the porch and said, hey, follow me. And they did. For whatever reason, they did. And God moved in their hearts right then and there. And, and maybe it wasn't the first time. Maybe they just finally came to grips with what Jesus had, had, they had heard out of Jesus' teachings already, to surrender. But what we do know is Jesus spoke, and they immediately responded. They dropped everything. This invitation to follow for those four guys and eventually the other eight uh, disciples, it completely changes their life, right? Not, not everyone, though, uh, that Jesus speaks this invitation to follow me follows through, okay? Both in Matthew and in Luke, in, in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we read about an encounter that Jesus has with what we know as, uh, if you've been uh, around church uh, speak, the rich young ruler. But it's this, this rich young man He's up and coming. He's an influencer, right, in those times. And he, he has everything he needs and more. And he comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. Hey, Jesus, I've heard you speaking. What, what, what good things do I need to do to receive eternal life? Okay, what good thing? And knowing who he is, this rich young ruler, what he was really saying is how much? How much does it cost to get to heaven? You know, you can kind of see he's pulling out the money clip and flipping over the $100. Okay, it's how much again? And Jesus, uh, when he asked this, he says, so, um, uh, well, you need to keep the commandments, right? Well, and, and he said, well, which ones? Which ones do I got to keep? Not all of them. There's 10, right? That's too many. You know, all of them. And Jesus starts listing them off. Do not, you know, uh, honor your father and mother. Do not merit murder. Don't steal. And on and on. And he goes straight through the list. And the young man is like checking each box. Oh, yep. I got that one. I got that one. And then um, it, it, I, he, he tells Jesus, oh, I've done all that. I'm good, right? But then Jesus hits him right in the heart. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. He says, Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect, if you want eternity... Go, sell all your possessions, and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The challenge was twofold. Then come and follow. Sell all you have, all those things that make you important in the world. Give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Sadly... That price was too high for this young man because the scripture says because he was very wealthy. And Jesus has, uh, he says to surrender. Surrender all this stuff that owns you, right? All the things that um, you think that are important over me. And he says, just follow me. But the man was too attached to his stuff and his influence and his status and all that that brought him. And it was too high a price to pay. And I wonder, like, he, he, you know, Peter and John are probably listening to this conversation. And he says, follow me. 
you know, sell everything, then come and follow me. And he said, well, I can't do that. I'm not walking away from, you know, whatever I have. And he starts to walk away. Do they, do they come out and do they come out and say, hey, listen, buddy, it's worth it, right? We did it. We left everything to, to follow Jesus. So it's worth it. Now, they had the testimony to do that, and we don't know if they did or not. And obviously, it did not make uh, an impact on him if they did. But sometimes we encounter those people that are, that are too attached to their stuff. Sometimes we are those people. We're too attached to the, the money or the family, the job, the influence, the power, whatever that looks like in our individual lives, we get too sucked into, and it owns us. And, and when we speak Jesus to those people, they're, in, they're invited to follow Jesus just like we are. Just like I'm in, invited to follow Jesus, just like the disciples were invited. And we say, follow me. But if they can't seem to let go of the stuff that holds on to them, just to turn around and follow someone new or something new. Because they just can't envision the impact that it has on their lives. Because we like to know what's coming. We like to be able to see around the corner, don't we? And there aren't a whole lot of those promises ahead of us. We know a few things that Jesus is coming back, and we have no idea when. And that's about all the around the corner that we have. We know what happened in the past and why he's coming back, but we want to we see instant impact on our lives, right? You lift weights. If I go and I lift weights for an hour... I'm not going to be just ripped out. That's not the way it works. There's time and effort and, and resistance that builds up all of what you do when you're working out. Our relationship with Jesus and when we follow him is no different. It takes time and it takes resistance and it takes us letting go and being able to surrender our lives to him. So today we get to see uh, this, this, in this last scripture passage the benefits um, that, that we can reap, that it's laid out for us by Jesus, because he's speaking more Jesus to people. And this time, it's a big group. It's his disciples and a large group of people. And uh, we find it in the book of Mark and in Luke, but we're going to read uh, uh, in Mark's account in chapter 8. And I apologize for skipping all over the place. Uh, we won't do that in the, in the future, but um, follow me is everywhere, because it's Jesus's main invitation to people. And so in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 is where we start. It says, when he called a crowd among, uh, among him along with his disciples, so there was a crowd and his 12 disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? This, those, those three verses, this is the way of the cross. This is what a disciple, which means follower, this is what a disciple of Christ looks like. The people of Rome, this, which was Mark who wrote this, his original audience, the, the people in Rome, they would know exactly what Jesus was referring to when he says, take up my cross. 
they would understand those implications when he says that you should um, that that you deny yourself and take up your cross. They knew what that meant. Why? Because they'd seen a crucifixion on a cross multiple times. Because in those times, it was the cross was a weapon, and it was a mental picture for everyone of torture and pain and humiliation and eventual death. They would have witnessed a cross being utilized by the Roman soldiers because they used to put them outside of town and line them up on display as a reminder of what happens when you disobey the Roman Empire. If you cross us, this is what's going to happen. So when Jesus used this analogy, your ears would have perked up. A life of following Jesus, he tells us right here, it's twofold. Okay, There's two things that are important. The disciples knew it. Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the rest of the gang, they left their old life behind them. They had surrendered that part of their life. And their, their journey through those three years with Jesus was just, an event, just a, a progression of surrender as they began to understand what Jesus was telling them and doing for them and speaking to them. The other eight disciples, they left their old way of life too. One of them went back to his old way of life. But Jesus tells us what it takes to accept the invitation to follow me. He tells them that you got to get rid of your, you know, deny yourself, get rid of the old stuff, and then take up your cross and follow me. Meaning, leave behind your old life, and it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that you have to physically leave like the fishermen did. You can leave your old life and still go back home and sleep in your own bed, Okay? That's good news. Or you can go to the mission field. Um, that's kind of the gamut, right? You can go, but follow me does not mean, it just means surrender your old way of life and then start living the way that Jesus would have you live. And it, it, what it does mean, though, is that when you, when you follow Jesus, you're going to stop doing the things from your old life. Right? Because if you turn your shoulders, you can't follow more than one thing at a time. It's impossible because eventually they'll fork off uh, to either side and you've got to choose, which, which way do I go? If you're following Jesus and your eyes are on Jesus, what it does is it takes you step by step further away from what you were doing and who you were in your past. And only, so you... Uh, uh, it doesn't mean stop living the way, it, it just means that you're going to stop living the way you're living if you follow him. It's just going to be the way that your heart changes, your priorities change. And not only do you leave your old life behind, you take up your cross, it's a picture of the ultimate surrender that's required of every part of who you are. And just to clarify what he's talking about, um, so Jesus gives us this example, right? What good is it to have everything in the world? You can have all the money, right? The mega millions is over a billion dollars. You can get all that and all the stuff and all the friends. And what is it uh, to have everything that the world can give you, but then go to hell? I paraphrase that. What good does it do you to have all the stuff and end up in eternity of torment in a lake of fire? Because you can't trade all that stuff for eternity in heaven. 
The rich young ruler showed us that. He couldn't give it up, right? Jesus is speaking life into them. But he tells them that there's a cost for that life. And then a little while later, he shows them what the cost is. When he takes up his cross for us. And that's what it looks like to speak Jesus. It's a simple invitation, right? Follow me. It seems harmless. And if we surrender in the way that Jesus asks us to, it's a simple concept. And it's simple to accept that invitation, isn't it? The hard part is we don't know what carrying our cross will bring us. We just don't know could be an easy life that everything falls into place. Carrying your cross might mean um, just turmoil and heartache and pain because you can handle it because you're not alone in that. Jesus carried the cross. That's what we do know. He picked up his cross, literally. And his life was a picture of what our lives should be, the, the way that we love, the way that we serve, in the way that we surrender and submit all to follow, that is speaking Jesus. And we're called to follow him because that was his invitation. That was Jesus' invitation to his disciples and to you and me. So do you? Do you follow him? Are you willing to walk away from your old way of life? whether it be 25 years ago or 38 minutes ago, before you came in here? Are you willing to walk away from that part of your life and surrender it and embrace the new life of surrender to Jesus Christ when we follow him? Are you willing to give up all that stuff that the world sees as important and take up your cross just like Jesus did, all the while not knowing what's going to go on? Because it's the hardest, easiest hard thing that you'll ever do. I told you English was messed up. It's the hardest, easy, hard thing that you'll ever do. It's hard because saying yes to following Jesus goes against everything that's going to be pumped into your head and in your heart that the world says is important. That's hard to let go of that to seek that validation and find value in other people and, and their opinions and their beliefs and things like that. It's hard. It's easy because you have the assurance that along this journey, Jesus is going to be with you every single step of the way. But it's hard, again, because daily surrender, that's a full-time job. It takes a lot of work. But it's worth it. So do you speak Jesus? Does your life speak the life and the love of Jesus to other people? Do, does your life show others that you follow Jesus? Because of the surrender uh, to the call of Jesus on your life. That's the reason that we're acting this way. When, some, when something bad happens and the same thing happens to a coworker, and they're like, man, you handled that way better. What's your deal? And you're able to say... It's because I'm following Jesus. I'm not alone. And he's not going to put anything on my shoulders that I cannot bear because he's helping me along the way. He's there step by step. So 
you can accept this invitation to follow Jesus today. He's asking us, follow me. And it will change, uh, and it will be the most important thing of your life. It will change your heart. It will change the way you do things in the best way possible. And if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus and accept this invitation, very simple, to follow me, it does mean a lot of things. But you can do that today, right there where you're sitting. You can do it here at this altar. If you want to come and pray, I want you to do that. But all, all it means is you're, you're just going to speak to Jesus. You're going to speak Jesus to Jesus, and you're going to say, I'm a sinner. I, I'm guilty of that, and I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again, and that there is an eternity waiting for me, just like the young ruler wanted to know. He knew all about eternity, and he wanted to know how much it cost to get there. The cost? Follow me. Walk away from all that stuff in your past, your sin, and all the things that you want to hold on to, and follow Jesus. So when we pray here in just a few seconds, I encourage you to do that. To, to hand over your life and then every day get up and do the same thing and acknowledge that I can't do it on my own. I have to follow you, Jesus, and allow you to work through me and in me. Let's pray today. Father God, we, we come to you today and uh, we want to speak Jesus. We want the words that we use, the language that we use, the conversations that we carry on to be that of your words. We want, we want your words to flow out of us and speak Jesus into the lives of others, that people will know who we follow by the way that we love and speak and act and do. We talked about being engaged disciples and the action that is wrapped up in that and the, the incredible example that you give us when you not only said to do it, but then you did. Take up your cross. And Lord, there's people in this room, there's people watching along with us and worshiping along with us that we're we're broken. We're broken people that have things we want to forget about. We, we have things that we want to walk away from, but for some reason, I can't. We can't do it. And, and we're looking for answers in every different place, but the answer is you, Lord Jesus. And the invitation to us is simply to follow you. God, I just pray for those that are handing their hearts over to you. Maybe it's a, a time to rekindle something that you've already done in their hearts. That as we um, move forward and you change our hearts because we're following you in step, we're walking away from all those things in our past, that you will give us the wisdom that we need and give us the ability to share the testimony of where you brought us from because we're, we're all dealing with the same things. Nothing is new under the sun. 
So God, we just ask as we go today that you send us in your name and that you go before us and that we will follow you right out the doors and through our lives. We love you, God. We're thankful that you were willing to to sacrifice for us. And Lord, help us to speak Jesus to others. Help us have a great afternoon as we, in this, after, this evening as we welcome people from our community uh, and just have them check out who we are and who we're about. And then maybe they'll begin to follow because that's our invitation to others as well, is to follow you. We love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Thanks so much for being here. And we hope to see you tonight at the pool doing cannonballs and all that good stuff. All right? God bless you all. Have a good day.